Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, how's it? How's it? Um, cool, guys. It's really a privilege to share tonight. Um, thanks to the eldership for giving me a chance to share, and thanks for coming tonight. I know some of you didn't have a choice. Thanks, Pretoria. Um, but yeah, uh, so guys, uh, not to start off on a heavy, but uh, a week ago I found out I failed my first module ever, and it meant that I have to repeat my whole year next year. And it's in times like this where you're kind of, you're kind of wondering what God can teach you in it and what God's going to do with it. And I've had to really work on my faith and work on my belief, and it's really appropriate because tonight I'm going to be talking about belief. Um, yeah, and God has a funny sense of humor, so we'll see. Hopefully, um, some good can come from this. Um, yeah, so tonight, I'm going to be covering uh, faith versus works of the law. I'm going to be covering, covering salvation versus sanctification, and I'm going to be covering sanctification versus fear. Okay. So last weekend, uh, Richard kind of ended his preach on uh, saying these, these last three points, and that was we need to believe that we can love like Jesus, we need to believe that we can look like Jesus, and we need to believe that we can hear the Spirit of Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to carry on with this thing of belief. I think it's a really powerful thing. Graham this morning preached a, a real uh, pumping preach, real psycho preach, and I normally like preaching those, so I was a bit jealous Graham got, uh, got that word from God. Um, but I've got um, the word of belief tonight. Okay, so I'm just going to check my time there, and let's go. Okay, so tonight I want us to believe that, uh, that Jesus is grace instead of believing our own works. I want us to believe that God's love in our life instead of the loneliness we speak over ourselves. I want us to believe in the Holy Spirit's guidance instead of our own wisdom. And I want us to believe the Bible's truth instead of the lies that the world tell us. Okay, so we're going to get there. Okay, so first thing, faith versus works. So an awesome book to go to for that is Galatians. And a bit of background with Galatians, this church had been going for only a few decades that literally just seen Jesus' story come through and uh, his uh, resurrection. And um, yeah, they'd kind of almost seen it firsthand. But they had already, within a couple of years, they'd started creating their own laws and their own regulations within church and the church community. And um, Paul comes back and uh, he's, uh, he's a bit brutal with them. He starts off, he says, uh, in this Galatians one verse, uh, 3, verse 1 to 6, okay, he says, You foolish Galatians, exclamation mark. Okay, so Paul's not happy, okay. Again, who has bewitched you? Okay, also not subtle with uh, the insults. Okay, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Okay, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? or by believing what you have heard. Okay. And, okay, sorry, let me just carry on quick. Okay. Are you so foolish? Question mark. Again, just roasting them. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Okay. And just now we're going to be talk about salvation. And I think most of us can understand that salvation is, um, what, do you, what do you say, Chair? He said, by means of the Spirit and by our belief. He says, but now are we trying to finish it, our sanctification, by means of the flesh? Okay, and I'm going to get to that a bit later. Okay, he carries on, roasts him a bit more. He says, have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, question mark. Okay, 
So again, I ask you, does God give His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? So he repeats it again. So I think it's, it's quite an important thing that we're going to go for here. And I think it's the crux of both our salvation and our sanctification. And Paul's made it quite clear there in Galatians that actually belief is the crux to both and not works. Okay. And haven't you noticed when you find Jesus for the first time and you, kind of, you can kind of spot a new believer in a crowd, you know, they're all pumped and they're ready to go and they, they're passionate, eh? they are so passionate and they have so much belief. And what I find interesting is that in that stage, there's literally nothing for them to fall back on in terms of their own works. They, ha- they have done nothing. So the only thing they have to do and have to rest on is their belief. And you see it so tangibly that they are not trying to, trying to gain their salvation or anything like that. They know they have done nothing. And it is at, at that point where they realize that they have needed God the absolute most. And you often see that belief is at its strongest there with, with outworks. So I'm going to try tonight turn works into a thing of sanctification instead of trying to gain our salvation. Because as soon as we put works into here, into our salvation, we are taking away the belief that Jesus actually did it all for us. Okay. I kind of, I kind of like to see it as if we see a works-based gospel, then we are basically saying we are a taxpayer. Okay. We have accumulated X amount of sin, our debt, let's say, and we have the means to work off that debt. And we have to pay our tax, and then it's done. Then God owes us nothing. Yeah, I did pass tax. That's the one I did pass. Okay. So I kind of understand this. Okay. <laughs> but if we are saying we are saved by grace, we are saying there's actually absolutely nothing we could have done to gain our salvation. And because of that, we are impassioned to actually, this is the almighty God that did this all for me, I have no choice but to, in absolute adoration of what he has done for me, follow in his way and follow someone who would do something like that. Okay, I've said that. Okay. I think it, it's the crux of our attitude towards our father. If we are seeing our father as a debt collector, then we're going to treat him like that, you know? And we treat debt collectors like we're actually not that keen. You know, we kind of just want, we want our debt to be done and we actually want to be done with this person. Whereas the way we see a superhero, okay, um, when we're lighty, you know, we see this guy who's like Superman cruising around, got all the power in the world. And what do we do? We dress up like that person. We want to be more like that person. That is a person you want to be like, a person you want to follow. And we can get excited about that person. I don't think many of you get excited about the debt collectors we have in our life. Okay. So I, I would like to say and challenge everyone to say that people that are out there that are preaching a works gospel are actually preaching an easy way out. And actually what they are preaching is, in, in my opinion, a bit lazy. Because when we preach a works gospel, we say there's X amount we can do and then it's done. Okay. When we are saved by grace, our life is actually in pursuit of the superhero. And we are going to continue and continue and continue trying to work towards being like Superman. Okay. And I think we all realize we are never going to be like Superman. Okay. But we all want to be like him. Okay. And in that pursuit, I think that we have signed up for a much more exciting and a much more um, yeah, dedicated and diligent path. Okay. So almost time for my props. Okay. So just, just a brief 
almost definition of salvation versus sanctification. Um, salvation for me, the simplest way to put it is, um, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, and I'm really going to be hitting hard on that, on that word believe. Um, yeah, so it's basically saying salvation says that there's absolutely nothing we could have done to gain salvation and to gain access to the presence of God. And so something had to come into its place, and that's what Jesus did, and he justified us before God. Okay, and that's our salvation. Okay, sanctification is the gift that we get given because of salvation. We actually get to walk this road and we get to be more and more like God. Okay, so I'm going to explain it with the, the Israelites. Okay, they were enslaved to uh, the Egyptians and they had to flee Egypt and they had to be saved and freed from them. So they came to the Red Sea. Okay, and they came up to the Red Sea, and then Moses came with the staff, and he split the, split the sea. It was this miraculous, incredible, no one could believe it. Their faith was through the roof. They, they, their belief in God was just incredible. They were, they were pumped. They were excited, and they could see, this is my king. Okay, this is the one who has delivered us. And they, they crossed the Red Sea, and they got to the other side, and the seas collapsed, and the Egyptians were washed away, and they were freed from slavery. Okay which was amazing. They were, they were set free. They were no longer slaves. From that point, they were not, no longer slaves. Their salvation had been won for them. Okay. But they had not yet stepped into the promised land. Okay. Then they wander around, and then to get into the promised land, they had to cross another body of water, which was the Jordan River. Okay. And on the other side was the promised land. Okay. And still, like in the story in the Red Sea, God still came through in a miraculous way, he still promised them the, the, the land that they were going into. But the only difference I found with this story is that previously Moses stood there at the, at the shore of the Red Sea and God split the Red, set, split the Red Sea. Okay. With this one, the Israelites actually had to step into the river. Okay. They actually had to have a lot of faith. Okay. This is not like a trickling stream. It was actually a massive river that they had to cross. They actually had to take the first steps into the river Okay, and it might have been a bit scary, you know, trying to step into this river. You're taking millions of people across this river, and you kind of have to have a bit of faith and step in there. But they still knew. God still promised them, on the other side, I have one land for you, and that is the land that I've promised you for many, many years. Okay, so they take the step, and God still comes through in a miraculous way. He still stops the water. It's not like we did anything to stop the water, God was going to stop the water, but we had the faith to step into our, into our sanctification, okay, into what was God has promised us, okay. So if that analogy wasn't enough for you, we're going to use some science over here. Sorry if this is a bit of a cliche one. I know this has been done in every primary school, but um, hopefully I'll make a point here. Okay, so this is us. Yay, this is us, okay. This is our sin. No, oh, okay. Comes into our life. Naughty people. Okay, there we go. Then, okay, so we all know we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, and God can't be with that sin. Okay, but he comes along. Oh, I hope this works. Eh? <laughs> okay, so, okay, so he comes along with God's perfect sacrifice, his only son. Okay, and comes into our life. Okay, yeah, I'm so glad. Okay, and makes us 
pure. No more sin. Yay. Okay. Yellow. <laughs> okay. Made us Chinese. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So God made us pure. Okay. And there was nothing we did there. God came and sent his only son and made an amazing sacrifice. Okay. And he won us our freedom. Okay. We can now step into the presence of God. Okay. And start journeying in this, in this journey of sanctification. Okay. And God, God gives us our salvation, but he also gives us a purpose. Okay. And he gives us an identity and he gives us talents. He gives us community. He gives us people that we actually need to share his love with. Okay. And the best representation of his love was actually our salvation. Was actually what he did on the cross and what he put in there. And what's in there was actually our sin. And now it's complete love. Okay. But the world needs that love. This world is so desperate for this love and it needs this love so much. So this is ours. Okay. This purpose is calling these talents are ours. Okay. And like that story goes, I can, I can hold on to this and keep it for myself. Okay. I can bury it under a rock and not let anyone see. Or I can fill myself with God's word, God's love, and keep going and keep going and keep going until this blue dish is the community. And then that love spills over into the community. And the more we get of God into our lives, the more we live out our sanctification and the more our purpose actually spreads out into the community. Okay. So, grade three class, you get that, hey? Okay. <laughs> okay. So in John 14 verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commands. Okay, and we're talking about love. And at Theology Cafe, we spoke about, well, I asked the question about what does it mean to keep God's commands? And we quite simply, Richard quite simply said, God's commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love his people. Okay, so I think the crux of our sanctification is love. Okay, so... I'm going to look into what prevents us from walking into that, that purpose and that calling of love. So the, in Galatians, Paul was saying that their lack of belief was preventing them from that love. So I, I, want, I want to highlight four areas, very simple, four areas where we have kind of forgotten and we've lost belief that God is actually God and God's love actually needs to be in the community. So the first one is financial confidence. I think, I think this, this is a tough one. And um, with me having failed my year now, my financial confidence has taken a bit of a knock. I was expecting to earn my first paycheck in January and kind of hit the, ball, hit the ground running. No more student loans, no more debts. But now I've got, I've got some financial confidence issues. And it is actually, it's quite tricky to still believe that being generous and tithing is spiritually wise. The world will come and tell us that is the most unwise thing ever. When I was in a, my life orientation class, I think I must have been about grade nine, our life orientation teacher was teaching us that the wise thing to do would be to save 10% of your salary. For one day, there's like a big like investment opportunity or if you're in a crisis or something, save that 10%. So I put my hand up. I said, so that's it's going to be a bit tricky because I'm already tithing 10%. And he said, well, that makes no sense. Like, you're an idiot. And the thing is, is that I will, I will continue to tithe 
10%. And I will continue to give way and above that because God says that that is spiritually wise. And we are called to do that. And if you are sitting here and you are thinking you don't have the means or the capacity to be generous, then you are forgetting who is the one that is providing to you. Okay. If we are sitting here, we are blessed and we are financially blessed. Okay. So I think we need to sit here and believe that God can still do more with our 90% than we can do with our 100%. Okay. And it actually shouldn't be 90%. All of it actually belongs to him anyway. Okay, so the financial one is a tricky one and I've, I've studied finance for the last four years and it, it is tense. The environment around finances is tense. Okay, but as soon as we give it over to God, then that burden is not on us. Okay, and we need to believe that the God who is providing for the birds is gonna provide for us. Okay, the next one is social confidence. Okay, so if I'm honest, I'm not talking from too much personal experience. Um, so, <laughs> oh yeah, Teda. So, do we believe that loving people is still a good idea, or do we believe that belittling people to elevate ourselves is a good idea, like the world tells us? It's amazing that so many things that the world tells us contradicts what our purpose overflowing looks like. Don't give 10% to a random organization that is just going to put it towards embo buckets. Okay. But what God says is that actually loving people is still part of my plan. And especially for guys, it's a little bit weird, you know, like go love your mate. The guys are like, oh, dude, not into that. I didn't go to boarding school. Um, <laughs> but it really is still part of God's calling for us. Another big one is fear of man. How often have we been, God has placed something in our heart to go love someone but we have been too scared to. We've been too scared to what they think. And in that, there's a big thing to be said about identity. If we are more concerned about what others are going to say about us and us pursuing our purpose, then maybe we place too much of our identity in, in those other people. Okay. And as soon as we rock our identity in God, then all of that doesn't matter. Then we realize that our purpose is way more important than what other people are saying. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Another thing which I think I think has become almost like a, I don't know how to say this, but like a, a spiritual okay is people saying, you know, I just need my space at the, at the moment. And yes, you do. You need to rest in God's love. You really, really do. But sometimes our calling is bigger than needing our space. Sometimes there's going to be someone out there that is in desperate, desperate need for God's love. And maybe you're going to have to put your idea of what you need in terms of space and maybe put your needs and desires aside because that person is going to need you. It really, really is. Um, we were on Pastor Fire and we were talking about caring for others and the story came up of um, this little boy was walking home from school the one day and he had basically been bullied his whole life and he was, he was 12 years old and he basically said, this is it. You know, I'm going home and I'm, I'm taking my life. This, I'm done. I'm so done with this. And as he was walking, he, <laughs> typical thing, he, he drops his books, you know, and he's like, could my day get any worse? And as he, was, he, he did that, there was a person, a, a girl who work, walked past, and she helped him pick up the books, and she did more than that. She actually went a step further. She said, I'll walk you home. They went home, they walked home, and they, she stayed for the day, and they had the tea party or whatever you do at 12. Um, and, and, you know, they became friends after that. And years and years later, he actually revealed to her, he's like, listen, I don't know what your plan was for that day. 
I don't know if you needed your space or needed some time out from people, but actually I needed you that day, and that actually changed my life, okay? Which I personally love that almost responsibility that God has given to us. God has filled our cup with so much purpose and so much to be done in the community. This community is broken. It really, really is. But there's stuff in here that if we keep to ourselves, will not be poured out into the community that is so desperately needed. The next area where I think we, we lack confidence, and I think it's, it's quite closely linked to social confidence, is uh, time confidence. I think, I think we lack the confidence to trust God that if I sacrifice my time this week, that he, he will be able to provide for me in, t- in terms of my, my strength. And often we think we're going to burn out, but we forget the one that is fueling us. And if you are connected with God and trusting God that he is the one that is going to fuel you, and bring you the resources you need, then you will trust that you will never burn out. Okay. And I think we are often very selfish with our time. And selfishness is such, such a cause of so much evil. And we kind of saw it all the way back in the beginning when, when Eve ate the apple. All of that was from selfish intent. She, she wanted knowledge and power, and it was such a self-centered thing. She did it on her own. And often, often we want to do things on our own. We want to be precious with our time or our finances or, or our social status. And as soon as we get rid of selfishness, we actually realize that our purpose is way bigger than just our little vase. Okay. And what is linked, often linked with selfishness is pride. Do we believe that we are more valuable than those around us? Or do we believe what God says and says that we are all equal in the kingdom? So glad I managed to do all the experiments with one hand. Okay. Then the one thing which I think is a, is a tricky one is, is commitment. And not necessarily time commitment, but emotional commitment. Because let's be honest, community in, is done and is carried out by humans. And people get hurt. And there's a fence. And people are lazy in their friendships and their pursuit of friendships. We also don't like accountability. We don't like to be told like we're stepping out of line or, hey, maybe you should come to church on Sunday or maybe you should be sharing that message that's on your heart. We don't like that. We don't like to be held to a higher standard. So we, we need to commit and it's hard to commit because then people around us can see when we're not committing. But it's a big step that we actually really need to take. I want to say a disclaimer to all these things that I've said. I'm all these things need to be done with wisdom and discernment. So I'm not saying you need to sacrifice your sleep, your breath, and your eating, okay? There are also, and this is, this is an encouragement, there are also people in this community that are going to overflow into your life and receive that love. You know, so much of the gospel is about coming and resting in God's presence, And there's God's presence all around us. There are people sitting here that have a little nugget of heaven for you. And so don't don't pretend like you have to soldier on, on on this journey by yourself and do it all by yourself. God has blessed us. And not not just like given us tools to promote community and stuff like that. He has blessed us with love and people. And and it's it's he he's a dad that wants so much for us. It's that, it's that awesome, awesome story in the Bible that says, you know, 
Even an earthly father knows how to give good gifts. What more does the heavenly father know how to give you? And he has gifted, I can say from a personal experience, like the people sitting in this room have been a gift in my life. They really, really have. Kali, my man, I was going through some serious exam stress and stuff like that. And this man and his wife had a lacquer bra just for me, put a whole bunch of the meat in ice cream containers and brought it to me when I needed it. And that's, that was you using your purpose, using what God had given you in terms of whether it be resources, time, love, whatever, and you overflowed into my life. And that was amazing. And I really, really appreciate that, Kali. Shot. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't enough because I didn't pass, so maybe next time. <laughs> um, so kind of what I, what I want to finish with this is, is, is more and more encouragement. And I want to talk about covenant. And listen to a preach the other day about, actually, Chloe listened to it for me and then told me about it. <laughs> Thanks, Chloe. I was, I, was, I was busy studying, and she was actually a very good Christian to go to church. Um, yeah, my whole, uh, what's it, time, eh? Time confidence, Steve. Not good, eh? Not good. Um, but in the, in the preach, um, he, was, he was talking about the story of Abraham and God and them kind of making a covenant together. And basically... Abraham goes into a sleep, and what they used to do in, in, the, old test, in the old days, they, uh, to make a covenant, they used to cut an animal in half. They used to place the one animal there and the one animal there. And the two people making a covenant would walk in a figure eight. So if these are the two animals, they'd walk in a figure eight, and they'd both walk um, this figure eight. And basically what they were saying, they were trapped in this infinity together. And they were saying that whoever broke this covenant would end up like these animals. Okay which is a pretty hectic commitment. Um, but there's, there was a whole bunch of symbolism behind it, and they would do a whole bunch of rituals to form this covenant. And then God, um, in Abraham's sleep, he showed Abraham a vision of these, these, these animals, and God was walking the figure eight. And it was only God walking. And basically, God was telling Abraham, he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. But when you step out of covenant and you break covenant, you will not end up like these animals. I will take on that. Which, and we saw it thousands of years later when Jesus came on the cross and died that we can have covenant with God. And the incredible thing with this that it ties into everything is that we can kind of pursue our sanctification without worrying about messing up. Because let's say I'm pouring, I'm pouring, and it spills out and it actually goes into places that it shouldn't. Kali gives me a bad piece of meat and I get food poisoning. Oh, that's maybe what it was. You know what? If we do that, it is okay because what God did on the cross, he said, I will take the punishment for that. Which is encouragement because we can pursue our sanctification and our purpose wholeheartedly without having to worry about messing up. We are not dictated by fear. And too often we are. Too often we tiptoe around our purpose and our calling because we are worried we are going to mess up. And as soon as our identity has rested in God and realizing that the covenant he made, he is going to take on all of our sin and all of our mistakes, then we can pursue without any fear. This is my shortest preach yet. Okay. My last sort of sentence is this. Is I've been talking about we need to believe in God and we need to believe in God's promises. And we sing that song, we say yes and Amen. But the amazing thing is that God would not make a covenant with us if he did not believe in us. He really does. 
He believes in us so much that he has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us purpose and calling and mantle. He has given us a community to be our full selves. Imagine, imagine having all of this purpose and drive and nowhere to put it. We have got space to put it. And God has believed in us so much that he sent his son to be sacrificed, to take on and give us our salvation, take on our sin and give us salvation so that we may pursue the sanctification. And what an incredible blessing that the king of everything believes in us and he has blessed us with the Holy Spirit, with peace, with purpose, with love, with comfort, with connection and with joy. So guys, be encouraged, really believe in God and also believe that he believes in you. Cool. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.